Awesome, awesome, awesome. Listen, next week that starts, and here's my request to everybody. Will y'all share that this week? I, we don't ask that a lot if y'all will share stuff, but we're going to put that bumper video on social media this week. And I'm asking everybody, if y'all don't have it, then it's probably a good idea not to have it. But anyway, if y'all have Facebook or whatever, if y'all will share that, I'm telling you, listen, I just really believe that God's going to do something. Just, I, I just don't think y'all can begin to understand, including next week. I'm trying not to preach next week's message because I know what it is. And it's, woo, it's good. I'm telling you, I'm ready to kick the doors down that are going to be kicked down and ready to go. So it, I, I'm just asking y'all to do your part because um, there's just power in people. And y'all are, y'all are our people. You know what I'm talking about. And so I'm asking y'all to do that. Is anybody here today? So four of you are going to share to God be the glory. Here we go. Is anybody ready for a word today? Because I got something for you. Is anybody ready? That's awesome. Half of you now are ready. So that's good. Listen, um, today is the last part of our You Belong series. If you've missed them, it doesn't matter. Um, up till this point, um, you can go back and watch them online. But this one in particular um, has just messed me up like crazy this week. And it's because I think... I just find myself in this position, even if I believe that I'm not. And maybe that's the problem, is maybe Satan's greatest tool in my life is me believing that I'm in a place that I'm, that I'm not really in. And so the title of my message today is Face Your Fears. Face Your Fears, and all of us can recognize fear. So y'all talk back, does anybody in here not deal with fear at all? Y'all talk to me. Does everybody deal with fear? Everybody deals with fear? That's good. I'm going to show you something on this screen that I'm not really going to look at because <laughs> I don't like it <laughs> because I'm not afraid of stuff. Can I just be honest with y'all before Zach throws this up? I'm not. It, I, I, would be, I would be taken back maybe if our president walked in and some of y'all would boo and y'all don't like him and that, that's silly. Okay. He is the president of the United States and if he walked into a room out of respect, we should stand up and say, I'm respecting the office and I would, I'm going to be honest with you, men don't intimidate me, but I would feel that lump in my throat. But if I got a chance, I think like a man, I could stand and look him eye to eye and talk to him. But I don't want to talk to what I'm about to put on the screen. And this is what it is. Okay. Ah! I'm gonna, I, listen, listen. Is it, like, who is afraid of spiders up in this mug? Who's, who's, who doesn't like them? Who would let a spider crawl on them? Let me see you. Let me see you so I can get a list of people that I don't know if I'm going to hang out with. Are y'all with me? Oh, so nasty. This is a camel spider. Ironically enough, it's not even a spider, but it is an arachnid. It's found in Iraq. And so our troops, when they're over there, have to deal with this dude, which is highly poisonous. And it's pretty big. It's not as big as my hand, but some of the smaller people in the room, it's as big as your hand in its fullest grown big state, and I'm not into it. I'm just telling y'all, I'm not into the ones that are as big as my pinky, but I'm not gonna run from them. But when I see the hairy dudes, one of my best friends in the whole world is the basketball coach at Seneca High School, and I went and stayed with him a couple years ago. We were playing golf in his basement, downstairs. He's got these bookshelves in his basement. And I opened the bookshelf, and he's got four tarantulas. He's like, it's a science project at school. I, was, I don't care, I'm gonna kill them all. They're gonna eat me when I'm asleep wrong with y'all? Y'all look at me like that's not, that's, I, I would be fine with it. If you'd be fine with tarantulas sleeping over y'all, 
1-800-GET-CHARTER or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But I, I just was like, what? they're hairy and gross and what's going on? And I don't like them. And I'm being honest with you. That arachnophobia movie, there's no sense in making a movie about a bunch of spiders doing a bunch of stuff. And I don't think it's funny if you get a toy spider or you get the, the ring spider and you want to throw it. At, I don't, it's not funny, so let's not do that, all right? I'm, I love y'all. Let's not do it. But now here's the deal. And this is what I think is so interesting. It's truthfully, I do not like spiders. I will pick up a big snake in a minute. But I, and some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, you just said the magic word, right? And then mice and then other stuff. It's like, I don't want to hang out with mice, but I'm not, I'm not going to run. If I see it, I'm going to try to kill it. But, but this dude, they, mm -mm, shunned. <laughs> like, you have no place. Depart from me. You are behind me evil, right? But what about people? Because I just got out of my mouth that if the president walked in, out of respect for the office, I would feel that lump in my throat, but I'm not fearful of a man. But then, no matter where we find ourselves, I don't care what people think, right? That's what we say. Some, some of us would be honest and say, I care what people think, but some of us would hide behind a masquerade of, I don't fear people. And I find those people, including myself, in a much more devastating state. Because if the fear of man or the fear of woe man grips us, here's what I think it causes. Let me show you these things. I think the fear that we actually face, this is an acronym, you're welcome, because that's what, I just like acronyms, but we, we face the fear of failure. And some of us are like, I've never been afraid to fail. I've never been scared to fail. And that drives me. I do not like losing. Anyone that knows me well, poof, I'm a much, much. I don't even, listen, this is the truth. I've told y'all this before if you've been here for a while. I remember the losses a whole lot more than I remember the wins in my life. I've got three rings sitting in my desk in there for state championships that were a really big deal, that were really good competition. But I remember that loss like it was yesterday. And, and there's days that go by when I'm watching basketball on TV that I still remember it. But maybe this is a little bit deeper than even that. Because what if my association with you causes me to be a failure or to be considered a failure in someone else's mind? And most of us would say, no, that's not that big of a deal. But if we would cut through the stuff and the junk, and the garbage of our life, we could look back and say, yeah, I don't really want them in my circle. And then I just use eminence because it, was, uh, it fit the acronym, okay? So y'all just go with it. But it's the fear of losing my eminent domain, my importance, my status level, and how, how much I am looked up at. And even if you are lowly, you are still above some. And I don't want to use, lose the status that I am currently in, so I'm fearful that if I associate with you, I may lose a little bit of my levels of that. And then that leads to, and these tie together with my associated, I'm fearful that if this group of people that run in this place, if, if I am thought that I am in this, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've heard, be careful who you associate yourself with. Has anybody else heard that? I just find that so ironic, and I know there's certain things. I'm not saying that you should go out and start dealing drugs so you are associated with drug dealers, but are they below us? Are they too good for us? Are they the people that we should look at and say, you, I'm not proud of this, but I'm telling you, this happened to me this week. I saw someone who's a buddy who I haven't seen in quite a while. 
this dude, I mean, we used to hang out or whatever, and I saw him and he looked pretty beat up, if y'all know what I'm talking about. He looked like he had been around the block a few times and it was not a good block that he walked around. And in the middle of preparing this message and in the middle of God messing my heart up, I was super nice to his face. And the thoughts that went through my mind broke, broke my heart. And it wasn't about him. When I had a chance to take a step back, and I'm talking about three minutes later, I just thought to myself, you pious, proud piece of garbage. Who do you think you are? I mean, this dude smelled jacked up. I'm going to be honest with you. And he looked beat up. And I thought I was doing him a favor by smiling at him and being nice. Because of my fear of association. And ultimately, it leads to a fear of rejection because I don't want to feel rejected by the people that I consider important. And it is a incredible spiral that leads downward. I listened to a message last night. I would say by chance, but I believe the Holy Spirit works things out. It was about 10 o'clock. The kids were in bed. Leah was doing something. And, and this pastor who I love said that he believed that, of course, pride is the root and the very baseline of all sin that we can do. But he said he believes for the individual when dealing with other people, the root of all things is selfishness. And as I read these, I just thought to myself, check, 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 check. Yep, that's you, Mark. And maybe this is you. Maybe you like to put on a show that looks like selfishness is not something that you struggle with greatly. But at the root of all things, I believe Satan sits back and smiles and says, I got you. You believe that you're doing great things. But you believe that those people are beneath you. And because people don't look like us, smell like us, sound like us, act like us, vote like us, or run in the same circles as us, we believe that those are the circles that we should do life with. And we should look down on the circles that we don't. Whether it's black, white, Hispanic, whether it's Republican, Democrat, whether it's male or female, because male chauvinist is real. Is anybody in this place this morning? Yeah. Is anybody in this place this morning? Because it's real. Am I the only one struggling with this or are y'all with me? Am I the only one struggling? I'm going to try until y'all, if y'all want to talk back to me, that would be nice because I feel like my zipper's undone. And last time I said that, it was, so somebody talked to me. This is real. And this is where we are as a society. And we are begging people to come into a place that we want to reject them and think, I can't believe she showed up this morning looking with that thing. I had someone send me an email in this church and say, I saw what the girls were wearing and I can't associate with a church that would let that happen. I will not tell you who it is. And I told this person that I respected them, and this was two months ago, so they're not here. But let me explain to you the truth. I do not want to associate with the person that doesn't want to associate with the person who we can look down on. And I am that person so many times. And I felt heaviness. If there's people in this room who you look at 
and say, I can't believe that they're here, then I am celebrating the fact that our church is beginning to be the place that God wants it to be to reach the least lost and lonely with the gospel of Jesus. But we got a long way to go. (laughs) And it starts with your pastor who looks out and goes, look how far you've fallen. Hmm. If you had just listened, who do I think I am? You know, Jesus had an encounter with a Pharisee who very much fits the mold, if you understand what a Pharisee is. He was a high-ranking religious leader, and he very much fits, fits this picture. Because all Pharisees were very intelligent, know the Bible way better than Mark Pangle ever will. And yet they thought of themselves so highly that they missed the main point that Jesus was trying to teach. And in Luke chapter 7, and I hit on this passage a couple, maybe a month ago, a couple weeks back. But it wasn't the whole passage, and I want you to see it. Luke chapter 7. I want you to know, as you turn in your Bibles there, that this causes us to be blind. And you know what I think the scariest thing with spiritual blindness is, is that you don't know it. If we were physically blind this morning, we would know it. We would get help. We would have people walking us around, but spiritual blindness is true blindness because we can't tell up from down and we can't see in from out and we just believe that we're okay and everything's good and we're doing what we, quote, need to do. And the truth, chapter 7, in Luke chapter 7, you're going to see the reality of Scripture come to life and I put myself in Simon the Pharisee's shoes and I say, Bro, I'm with you. That's been me so many times in my life. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house. And listen to this. It says he reclined at the table. Now, I don't know if y'all know this. I don't know if I knew this or not. But I was reminded of it if I did and taught it if I didn't. When we were in Israel this last time, When they did the Last Supper, and I did know this part, back in the day, when you ate a meal, you sat on the floor. This is as close as you're going to get me to the floor, because I can still get up, somebody. Come on, talk to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It'd be tough, and I'd be wallering, and y'all would feel awkward. (laughs) But they would literally sit on the floor, if this is ground level, and the table would be here, and they reclined. And that was a picture of freedom. Only free people could recline at a table. Only people who were free and had status were invited to recline at the table. So let me ask you this question today. Status, importance. Who do you invite to recline at your table? And I hope that you never invite me if you plan on sitting on the floor, somebody talk to me this morning. Because I'm not going to come because it would be really awkward because I'd be eating, I'd spill in the drink and all that stuff. Y'all know what I mean by that. But, but who do you invite to sit at your table who is important enough to enter your home? And who would you kill to have come in your house and clean up before they come and make sure everything is done? What if we thought of that lowly person like we thought of the person that we would clean and go spotless through everything because... This was the posture of someone of importance, but standing was always the posture of a slave and always the posture of someone who was underneath or not as important or not as relevant 
as the people who were important. And listen to this, this is crazy. Verse 36, or verse 37 says, And behold, a woman of the city, that namer, just let you know she was a woman of the city who was a sinner. Some translations say whose sins were great. Most people believe she was a prostitute. Very promiscuous woman. She walks into this scene watching all these men reclined at the table. Big chested, right clothes, looking the part, sounding the part, acting the part. And the people that don't look like them, sound like them, or act like them walk into the room. And what do you think everybody is? Who is that? And what's she doing up in this smoke? But you don't say it, do you? Y'all with me? You say it under your breath so you people hear it or, or you got the code. Like, you know, what's going on right there, right? We text message today, but their text message back then was a little awkward, right? So it was, right? And they gave signs. What are they doing up in this mug? And then, and then when she learned that he was reclining at the table, when she learned that Jesus was sitting in a place of influence, she did not care. She did not care that she was entering into a place where she did not belong. She did not care that, that socially she didn't matter, that, 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 philosophically in sin, oh my goodness, she was so horrible. None of that matters. She wanted to find Jesus. And they were, he was at Simon's house reclining back and she brought in an alabaster jar, an alabaster, excuse me, alabaster flask full of this says ointment, but it was really perfume. It was a nard that was mixed of certain things like frankincense and myrrh and then olive oil. And it, and it had a, a very pungent aroma. And if you put a drop on there, you could smell it, but she poured it on out. And everybody there would have known, and it was very expensive, by the way, and everybody there would have known that she was in the room. But watch what happened in verse 38. Standing behind Jesus, at his feet, weeping. That was the sign of a slave as much as anything else was to wash the feet. No person of status would ever wash feet. They were already reclined or they had welcomed them in and they immediately sit down. But if you were a servant, you washed feet. You never wanted to touch feet. They were nasty. Y'all with me? They were nasty. Because at best they wore sandals and it was dirty and it was filthy and no one wanted to touch it. But to walk into somebody's house, you immediately had your feet washed by someone who was lesser. And it said that she wet his feet, not with the bowl that you're supposed to, that's a custom in that day, but with her tears and wiped them with her, the head, her hair, that she took her hair and wiped his feet and kissed his feet. And to us, that's like, that's weird. I'm not a foot person. That's gross and whatever, but that's unbelievable because your hair was your glory, your honor especially for a lady. And to lower herself, to use her hair with her own tears. And with that ointment that was very expensive to pour it out, it was crazy. In verse 39, this is, this is Mark. So many times in my life when Simon heard this, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus in, he said to himself, don't miss that part of the verse. He didn't say this out loud. He did what we do. Son, did you see who walked up in this mud? God knows your thoughts. Did you know that? God's not up there going, oh, for real? <laughs> I didn't know. Thanks for putting me on the same page as you. 
God knows everything that you're thinking. And when he thought this, Jesus replied. Now, at this point, if you didn't believe in Jesus, I need somebody to talk to me up in here because I feel like I'm by myself. If Jesus answered your thought before you said something and you were sitting at a table with him, would anybody else stand up and go, what just happened? Right. Is anybody with me? And this is what happened. He, he had this thought, if, if this dude right here who was sitting in this place of honor that I invited him in, and I can't believe, if he knew what kind of woman this was, mm-hmm. my question is, how did Simon know what kind of woman this was? But I'll go on. <laughs> Nobody. Some of the wives are like, yep, I know what you're talking about. He said, if he knew what kind of woman this was, and what kind of woman he's touching, would he really be hanging out with this woman? Because she is a sinner. This week, after studying this passage, that's what I did. I did you a favor by being nice to you because you're a sinner. And then Jesus is just crazy. I'm just telling y'all, it's good crazy, it's awesome, but it's crazy because this is what happens in verse 40. Jesus answered him, not answer what he said, but answered his thoughts. Simon, I got something to tell you. I know that you want to know something, so I got something that you want to know. If you ever want to know something, this is free. This isn't part of the message. Some of y'all need to write this down. If you ever want to know something, if you'll ask Jesus, he'll tell you. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open for you. You are asking the wrong questions, seeking the wrong places, and knocking on the wrong doors. And if you'll just flip that around and go to Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus, the doors will be open in your life that you want to. I'm about to preach next week's message, so I got to move on because the doors are about to come down. Come on, somebody. But he says, I got something to say to you. You want to hear what I got to say? And he says, say it, teacher. Come on. Last little sub. Before you say, say it, teacher, and, and in this case, say it, Jesus, make sure you want the answer. Is anybody up in this mug today? I see some of y'all like, I don't want to hear this. I saw you. Verse 41. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii. And the other, 50. When they could not pay, he canceled both of their debts. Now, which one of them loved him more? And Simon, being the very intelligent, smart person, said the one that owed 500, not the one that owed 50. Duh, Jesus, I made 100 in math. Come on, somebody, right? I'm good at this. He said the one that had the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Now, check this out. This is for each one of us. And this is for you, Simon, sitting at the table, reclining with me in the place importance, looking at people who don't look like you, sound like you, act like you, and judge them based on how they look, sound, act, smell, and vote. Let me explain this to you, brother, then turning toward the woman. Now, can you imagine, because sitting at a table of prominence, you didn't even address these people who were sitting there. But Jesus said, do you see this woman? I need y'all to say this loudly with me. Do you see this woman? One, two, three. Do you see this woman? All week long, I keep hearing this from God. Do you see him? You pass by him every day. Do you see that man? Do you see this woman? Or are you above them? Are you too good for them? Are you riding by them? Because in your pious attitude, in your selfishness, knowing that they cannot elevate where you are in your status or in anything else, do you see him? Do you see him? Or are you going to keep riding by? Are you going to keep walking by? Are you going to keep doing your thing because your thing is so important? Do you see him? He said, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you didn't even give me water for my feet and that is customary. That's not even a thing of honor. That's what you're supposed to do. Do you see what she's done? 
She wiped my feet with her tears and she didn't give a rat's behind what you thought about her in that moment. When was the last time that you didn't give a rat's behind about what everybody else thought and the only thought that you had was Jesus? Because the truth of the matter is I can preach my heart out right here and in 10 minutes I can care a whole lot who I'm associated with. Oh, look who tweeted me. I matter. Really? <laughs> That's awesome. And when my kid gets a disease, I bet that matters. Are y'all with me in this place? We worry about these. I can't believe what so-and-so did. And then, I don't even have this in my notes. Then we wonder why people don't want to be associated with us. It says she wiped her hair. She was so below because she knew where she was and she knew where I am. And she said, I want some of you. If I can just get a little bit of Jesus, he can change everything in my life. But I so look over my shoulder about failure and imminence and association and rejection. Jesus, I want a little bit of you. And we're not worried that people know that we're with Jesus. A lot of us, that's not the problem. We're just worried about the people that Jesus goes to because he's really not that big. I mean, he can save a lot of people and he can change a lot of things, but those people, nah. 45 says, you gave me no kiss, which was customary on the cheek. That's what you did. He said, you wouldn't even do that because you wanted me in your house to trap me. But from the time I came in, she kissed my feet. There's nothing more lowly you could do. You didn't anoint my head with oil, which is what you were supposed, that, that you just did that. But she's anointing my feet with ointment, not just oil, but a, but a nard that changed the environment of the room because everybody in there knew she was in there even though she didn't care a thing. And at the point that you stop caring, if everybody in the room knows that you're in there, people will start recognizing that you're in there because you start getting, giving off a different aroma and it changes the environment that you're in. But I so want to matter and I so want to belong and I so want people to think that I belong. And I know that is the title of our sermon series. But we so try to belong to all the different things that we will give tens of thousands of dollars to clubs and to events and to everything else. And we rob God every single week. And then we say, God, why are you not doing miracles in my life? And it's because we want to belong to everything with status, but we don't want to belong to God with no strings attached, reckless abandon. This woman who knew she was, she knew she was a prostitute. She knew she was a bad woman. She knew she was full of sin, didn't care anymore. And look at what 47 says. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. This is so good. He who is forgiven little, loves little. He was not saying that Simon did not have sin. He was saying that Simon believed that he did not have many sins. And at the point that I look at them and say, God help them, and I don't look at me and say, God help me. God help me is the number one prayer in my life and selfishness, which is the root in my life of all kinds of sins, overwhelms me and it's a little sneaky trick that the enemy plays and it has infiltrated the church. 
Not Four Points Church. Not the church down the road, but the church with capital C. Because he is smart, and he is a smart warrior that is against us. But listen, we've already won the war. He took the keys of death and hell. He is the victor, and it's already over. And all we've got to do is say, it's not about her sin. It's about what you did with my sin. It was never about that. He who is forgiven little loves little, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. You know who you are, sister. <laughs> and you're free. And look at this. Can you imagine being at that table in a place of prominence and he's looking around addressing the man of the house and you're sitting around going, holy Moses, are y'all with me? That just went down up in this mug. He is addressing a prostitute like she matters and addressing the man of the house like he just got told. And those who were sitting at the table begin to say to themselves, can this dude really forgive my sins? Who does he think that he is? And ignoring all of that because he heard every word in their minds. He said, you know what? They don't get it. But Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19, verse 10. And my heart bleeds for you. Here's what I need y'all to know. And the main point that God has just wrecked me with this whole week, there is an aroma that you give off. And I want to know what aroma do people smell? <laughs> and I'm not talking about the musk. Are y'all with me? If you wear Malibu musk that we wore back in the day, girls, you know what I'm talking about in the 90s. My 90s girls, someone say amen. If y'all, I'm not talking about that. When we were on our way home from Israel, there was a... Um, my stewardess, you're on the plane for 12 hours, so you want the smells and the things and your comfort to be okay because you are ready to do something in 12 hours, if y'all know what I'm talking about, because being on a plane that long, my goodness. And the first time the stewardess walked by us, Leah looked at me and said, did you smell her perfume? And y'all know what I'm talking about. The woman that does the fourth spray, and she needed one. Are y'all with me? And it just, it was pungent. Stings the nostrils. It was crazy how strong it was. And she walked back by, whoosh. And this, my thought immediately, and I didn't tell anybody else. I wonder if people get that when I walk by. It doesn't matter what I look like, what shoes I have on, what vest Leah picked out for me to wear this morning. It doesn't matter all that stuff. It doesn't matter if I dress like a basketball player, or a, a hipster, or I just came out of work. It doesn't matter if I'm, I'm a certain color, a certain from a certain neighborhood, it matters what aroma, spiritually, I give off. I was sitting with Haston this week, and I love to play with Haston in the morning. I get him ready, and I, I asked this question, and it, he messed me up so bad. I just looked at him and said, why are you preaching to me? You're three, and I'm 35, and we should do this the other way. Buddy, how do you know Daddy loves you? And he had this huge grin on his face, and his grin will change the room. And he said, because you're happy when you're around me and you play with me and you kiss on my face. And I thought, <clears throat> I don't care what you're going through this morning, I got this question for you. When people see you, 
who you haven't seen in a long time and did something to you that they never should have. I wonder if my three-year-old can teach us all a lesson where they were happy to see me and the aroma in my life changed because This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. And by this will all men know that you're my disciple if we love one another. Can I just read to you what Paul said? Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2. Are the, can y'all say this with me? We are the aroma of Christ. Those of us in Christ are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are Dying without Christ. To one a fragrance from death to death. Translation. They will never receive the breath of God in their life, the new life that he offers them. And to the other, a fragrance that gives life, they receive life and it activates in their soul. Who's sufficient for these things? But God. Zach, don't even worry about the next verse. Just skip right over it. This is what I want y'all to know this morning. Every single person that you see ever, 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 ever is either death to death or life to life and a pastor is called to speak into a microphone, but this is not aroma. And the Holy Spirit uses words of men, but you are the aroma of God, or you are the aroma of death to death. And whichever you put off is what clothes they put on. And if I see them, and I think that they're not worth it, then I'm literally, listen, looking at those people saying, go to hell. Go to hell, go to hell. That's what I say with my actions every day of the week. And some of you are offended by my words right now because you feel so high and mighty with where you are. And my answer to you is, there's still hope for you as well. And for those of you that walked in here today, and this is why I'm emotional, so I'm just gonna be real with y'all right now. Two people that I know well, one is a pastor. found out this week you're getting a divorce. And life is hard. And it slips and it's slow. But six years into that person's marriage, the one stupid relationship is not why divorce happened. But the fact that they didn't build into their marriage for the last six years. And the 40 year marriage that I found out this week, 40 years that's getting a divorce is 40 years in the making. And today I want you to know that there's a fragrance that you can put on that gives life to your marriage, that gives life to your finances, that gives life to your children who are so far from God, that gives life to places that you don't know what to do and where to turn. But there's only one way that all of that changes and it's the fragrance of Jesus. Not more words, not more counselors, not more pills, not more anything else, but the fragrant aroma of Jesus. I want y'all to see one thing, Zach, just go to the last one. 
This was the beginning of our sermon series and this is how we're going to end. In, in Greenville, Spartanburg County, there's a million people. Did y'all know that? A million people in those two counties and each one of those dots represents one of y'all. There's tens of thousands of people right around this place, but we represent something much greater than right around this place. We represent Jesus, and the representation is found in you. Do you see him? Do you see that mom who's hurting so bad that she just, she wants to give up? Can you see that dad who doesn't know where to turn because he's a single dad now? Do you see that tatted up dude that's selling drugs just to try to get by and we think that he's worthless and he's a piece of crap? Do you see those thugs who are just hood rats, who we don't deserve our love? Do you see those people in 7,000 square foot houses with everything together and their lives are falling apart? Rich and poor, young and old, there is no difference at the cross. And they all need the fragrant aroma of Jesus. And my only question to you is, can you see them? When you close your eyes, will you do that with me right now? When you close your eyes, do you see them? Do you see that family member that gets on your nerves so bad that you just want to cry? <laughs> do you see the person that's not really worth your love? Can I ask you one more thing that you see? Do you see you and Jesus? Do you see great sin or do you see no sin at all? Because I got great news for you. Jesus came to seek and to save the hurting and lonely and lost and broken. He came not so your marriage can get by so that it can thrive and it can be the fullest it can be. He came not so your children can be wandering and not know where to go, but so that they can have the fullest life as well. He came not so your job is miserable, but so you can change the environment through the aroma of Christ. He did not come so that you could be miserable and will face difficulties in this life, but take heart, he overcame the world. Can I ask you this morning if you can see yourself in that place where you're lonely and lost and broken, far from God. If for the first time today you wanna to experience life in Christ, this is how I believe you do that. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. We don't want to embarrass you. We're not even going to ask you to move. But if you want Jesus to be your Savior, or you want to come back to God today, I just want you to raise your hand up right where you sit and say, Pastor, that's me right now. I need that. Come on, wherever you are, just throw your hand up and say, that's me. As high as you can, sweetie. Keep your hand up. Who else? Who else in this room would say, that's what I need in this place? I need Jesus to help me. Keep it up one second. I need Jesus to help me, come to me, rescue me where I am. I am that person that needs Jesus. Sweetie, if you will, if you'll fill that card out. And then as soon as we start singing, I want you to go to the prayer wall in the back and we have someone that wants to talk to you and walk you through what it means to follow Jesus for everybody else. I don't want you to move front today. I don't want you to do anything because I believe this is a very private matter.
with your eyes bowed, <laughs> that's hard to do, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder in this place, if we were enlisting in the army today of the Lord's army, how many of y'all would say, Pastor Mark, I'm with you, and I'm ready to take the land, and it's not about what we do, it's about what he's done in us, but I'm ready to be the fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of his, but I'm ready to turn this thing up upside down through what he's done with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Just shoot your hand up and right back down if that's you. Shoot your hand up and right back down. God, you saw hands and you care about hearts, and today, I believe, is the beginning of a revolution. I just believe it, God. I believe that you're going to do some things in our lives that shake and move mountains and that things that are broken are going to be bound together. And so, God, it's all about you. What a good father you are. What a good God you are. And today we just want to declare how grateful we are that you came for us, that you died for us, that you don't hold our past sins against us, but you elevate us to a place at the table, to a place who's an heir, to sons and daughters of the King, to the righteousness of God. Lord, we love you. Jesus, you are worthy of our declaration of praise, and we lift our hands and lift our voices and shout a praise because you're worth so much more. We love you, Jesus, and everybody said...